Hello, this is Esti here from SA Natural Products, the home of Living Naturally, the platform that we use to teach people another way to deal with their health. And with me in the studio is Dr. David Nadir, the head of our medical and research department. Good morning, Dr. Dave. Good morning, Esti. He's also a homeopathic doctor. He's been in practice for over 20 years. And what a privilege to be able to, to share the knowledge that we have on Living Naturally. Today's topic is about gout. Now, when I think about gout, there's one word that comes to mind, painful. It's painful. People that have gout can hardly move. What is it and why is it so painful, Dr. Dave? So gout is the most common type of inflammatory arthritis. So it falls into the category of arthritis, which means inflammation of the joints. And it's essentially what you have is an excess of uric acid in your body. And this uric acid triggers off the pain and all the typical symptoms that we know about. But gout is something that's been plaguing man for thousands of years. I mean, it was first identified by the Egyptians in 2600 plus BC. And where it was this disease that always affected the big toes. So it was, it was recorded as far back as that. And uh, even Hippocrates, who was the father of medicine, described it in the 5th century as the unwalkable disease, is what he called it. So it's something that has been happening. It's not a modern disease. Not at all. It's certainly becoming more common, and we'll talk about that, but it's been plaguing man for thousands of years. And it is more common than osteoarthritis? Osteoarthritis is a degenerative type of arthritis, so this is inflammatory. There is some overlap, but osteo is very common. But remember, osteo is more about wear and tear and degeneration of the joints. This is more purely an inflammatory response. So if it is an inflammatory response, is it something that will go away? It will go away, and it can go away quite rapidly with the right treatment. It just depends on what the underlying cause is. But the difference between something like osteo is it gradually sets itself Slow. up over time, over years. This can come on overnight, literally. And the classic presentation is the patient literally wakes up with it in the morning, and it's there. And is it always in the big toes? It's the most common or classic site, and as I say, that's been the site where it's been recorded for thousands of years, but it can affect many of the other joints, typically elbows, knees, ankles, other foot joints, the wrists. It can affect almost any joint, but those are the, the most common. But it won't be a synergy between the toe and the knee? You could have it in more than one site in the same patient, for sure, and some patients don't even necessarily pinpoint it specifically to a joint, so they could just get general stiffness in the limb for that matter and it might not present as a typical gout presentation so you get those cases where it's not as obvious but the classic presentation is the four key signs of inflammation and if you go back to the old latin way of describing inflammation there were four words they use ruba which means redness Red, yeah dolor which means pain, pain yeah Calor, or oh. calor means heat, oh. and tumor, the original meaning of tumor, is swelling. So oh. with gout, it's red, painful, hot, and swollen. Those are the key features of the joint that's affected. And as we said earlier, it is um, classically the big toe, but it can affect some of the, the other joints as well. And it's always a joint. It's not something that will go and sit in a muscle. What happens is the body pushes this uric acid out of the blood, into the joint and the surrounding soft tissue. So you will get some uric acid deposition in the areas around the joint, but typically in the joint itself. Why do we associate gout with red wine and red meat? So this is a really interesting question <laughs> because 
And it has an interesting history because in the old literature, gout was described as the disease of kings. Oh! Because it was a disease that occurred in the wealthy, mm. in the rich, who could indulge in all the types of food and the wine and so on, which would lead to this condition. And just over a hundred years ago, that's not that long ago, Mm-mm. getting gout was actually fashionable. What? So if you were a gout sufferer, you were thought to be, you know, of a higher social standing. You could afford to get gout because no. of the way you ate and <laughs> your access to rich meat and, <laughs> and alcohol and so on. So it was actually a fashionable thing. It was a socially desirable condition. No. So, yes, there's a long history of it being associated with wealth and excess. And there is truth behind the the association between drinking red wine and having a lot of meat. And we'll unpack some of the risk foods in a minute and why this is the case. But definitely is associated with excess and associated with rich types of food and combining these foods in one sitting. So is this something that you will find in our country that happens more over a weekend or during the week? Good question. Certainly people do indulge over the weekend and holiday times and so on and so forth. I would guess the answer would be yes, but it all depends on what your cause of your gout is because not all gout is purely related to what you're eating and drinking. Oh, okay. So on that now, my question to you is what is causing the gout? Why can my body deal with it and another person's body can't? And who is that person? Okay, we will describe the profile, but just to understand why we actually get this in the first place. So yes. gout is, an, as I said earlier, it's an excess of uric acid in the blood. Mm. And medically, that's called hyperuricemia, meaning too much uric acid circulating around. But we all make uric acid every single day. Why? As cells break down, old cells are worn out and they degenerate. Our body breaks them down and replaces them with new cells. But the DNA and the RNA inside all our cells contains purines. And when your body now breaks down these old cells, purines are produced, and purines are then metabolized to produce uric acid. But our body has a way of controlling uric acid, which we normally make every day, and it has a way of eliminating it from our body, predominantly using the kidneys, but also to some degree in the colon and the digestive tract. So the problem comes in for two reasons. Either you're making too much uric acid, for various reasons, we'll look at that, or you can't get rid of it properly, or a combination of both. For example, if you're making too much uric acid, there could be hereditary factors and and genetic factors that lead to this. There also could be other factors. For example, alcohol doesn't contain any purines, but it slows down the elimination of uric acid. So it inhibits your ability to get rid of it. So you could be taking in things that affect how much you produce. Alcohol is one of those as well. Or perhaps you've got a problem with elimination. So, for example, if there's anything that's going to weaken your kidney function, you're at a higher risk because you cannot then eliminate uric acid as well as you should. And then, of course, then there's diet. So we have hereditary factors. We have things that could lead to too much production or inhibit the elimination. And then there are also foods that just contain very high levels of purines. And that is your certainly your red meat, and that includes chicken. A lot of people think chicken doesn't have yes. purines. It's actually very high in it's purines. Higher. In fact, higher, mm. especially if you have it with the skin, like roast chicken with the skin on it, very high. Seafood, there's a, a number of seafood examples that are really high in purines. Organ meats are particularly high. So things like liver and kidneys and offal and those type of things, very, very high in purines. And then mushrooms is an interesting example of a high purine food. 
And then there's some legumes which are extremely healthy, but certain legumes contain high levels of purine. So scenario now, you've eaten a meal that has a lot of red meat. Maybe you've had alcohol with it now on top of that. You perhaps have a slightly weakened kidney function in the background. Put it all together, your risk for gout is obviously a lot higher than the average person. It definitely affects men more than women, so three times more in men than women. Is there a reason for that? If we look at the things that can lead to or contribute to gout, they are more common in men than in women. For example, being overweight is a major contributing factor. Having something called metabolic syndrome, and we've spoken about metabolic syndrome a number of times in these discussions. So metabolic syndrome definitely, and that affects men more than women. Men are typically heavier than women. That's part of the risk factor. Men usually drink more alcohol than women. Those are some of the reasons why. Interestingly, once women reach menopause, their risk of gout becomes equal to men. Oh, Younger women are a little bit more protected, but once you get to menopause, not so much. So the, I would assume, just right, it, it's racing through my brain right now, it's because our levels of estrogen will be dropping Correct. and estrogen is a natural anti-inflammatory Correct. that will clear it out. Okay. Exactly. And then, of course, we get a group, a fairly large portion of gout sufferers get gout because of hereditary or genetic factors. So something gets triggered. Correct. And the research on this shows that most of the genetic influences affect your body's ability to get rid of uric acid through your kidneys. So if you have those gene mutations, it's at the elimination point where your problem lies usually. So we have a number of possible contributing factors. And then also, which is quite interesting, and it goes back to a topic that we've discussed, is the acidogenic diet. Yes. Too much meat, too much dairy, not enough fruit and vegetables, not enough water, too much sugar. When your body's acidic, your ability to eliminate uric acid through your urine is compromised. And is that the only way that the body will eliminate or can eliminate uric acid? You can push some uric acid out through the digestive tract, but it's much less than what you would eliminate through the kidneys. So kidney function... If anything is affecting your kidneys, and we've had a discussion on this as well, if you have compromised kidney function, your risk of gout is significantly higher. Okay, so it's many factors together that brings this. Is there an age group where you see gout more than other times? Yes, typically in, as we said, men um, and women to a certain point, but older men whose kidneys are now becoming weaker – Older men typically are heavier and they carry more weight around their abdomen. So if you look at the profile of the metabolic syndrome, it's yeah. typically the older male, not the younger male. So it is the slightly older patients. That so it's unlikely that a, a young man of the age of 21 that goes on a party weekend is going to get gout. Unlikely, but not impossible. If he has hereditary gout and he has those gene mutations, he, he is at risk. Okay. Yeah. Is it something that you can see even younger? If, say, for example, it's a teenager. They drink a lot of fizzy drinks. They have energy drinks. They have hamburgers and chips and things like that. Would you see something like gout in them? It's certainly not something I've seen and I don't think is that common okay. at that age. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's certainly not the, the norm. But yeah. this hereditary gout, is there a specific name for it? Because I have, I remember one day walking to Kings Park Stadium 
and um, there was a man standing there brying his vote. And, you know, everybody's so jovial at like, the vehicles, having a few things to drink, lots of friends around. And it, it struck me what his elbows looked like and what his knees looked like. They were protruding. There was this enlargement. And I remember coming back and speaking to my mom and saying to her, what is that? What did I see? And she said, that's a form of gout. What mm. is that? So... What we need to distinguish between is an acute attack of gout because of a combination of events. So like a once-off or the a… red toe, a, the sore yeah, joint. You've overdone it, you've had the wrong things, and you get a gout episode. So usually that's fairly harmless. It will go away, and if you control your diet and you address it properly, you know you can prevent it from coming back unless you make the same mistakes again. You do have patients who get a much more severe chronic forms of gout, where, and this is one of the examples, and I think what you saw there is tophaceous gout. So when the body has such high levels of uric acid and you cannot get rid of them, your body will push this out of the blood into the soft tissue, and it will make these nodules called tophi. And these nodules, if you dissect them, they actually consist of uric acid crystals and these can actually cause joint deformation so it can actually deform the joints if they build up over and over again in the same joint space they can reduce the range of motion of your joint they can make your joint become enlarged it must be extremely painful it can be painful certainly when it flares up i have seen patients with tophaceous gout that in between episodes is relatively painless but then it gets really painful at times and what's interesting as well is when you get this buildup in the joints, patients with severe uncontrolled gout get that same buildup in the kidneys. And these patients can actually get a type of kidney stone consisting of uric acid. Oh, my goodness. And this is called a uric acid kidney stone. So that's another consequence of poorly managed long-term gout is the formation of a certain type of kidney stone. And also when these crystals get accumulate and build up in the actual tubules in the kidneys, they can actually themselves cause kidney damage. So those are two of the long-term serious consequences of poorly controlled chronic gout. That is not a common form of gout. It's seen, but it's not so common. Yeah, the, it, the it, common your, your form common is, form will be your arthritic symptoms. Yes, is the is the sore toe, is the sore joint, is that inflammatory four picture look that Correct. you have. Now, gout is extremely painful. Is it true that if you had to analyze uric acid underneath a microscope, it will look like a shard green glass? Yeah, it actually looks like needles. It's, needles. Yeah, so it's extremely sharp glass-like is yes. a good description. Yes. So you can imagine when this is inside a joint, the amount of friction and damage it yes. causes. You also then get an immune response. The immune system sends white blood cells into the area to try and clean up all of this and get rid of it. They then release histamine, and then you get all those cardinal features, the swelling, the heat, the redness, and the pain, pain yeah. um, because of that inflammatory reaction. Okay, so that is why a person with gout, you cannot come near that toe. You can't touch that knee. It is that painful. It, the, the slightest bit of wind that blows over, uh, the sheet that touches it, they can't deal with it. It is so painful. The common reason is what we are eating and drinking and how the body then metabolizes that and eliminates it. And if our eliminatory organ, specifically the kidneys, is unable to clear this 
uric acid that naturally occurs in the human body daily, it can't clear that amount out, then there's an accumulation. The accumulation is then dumped into joints and into tissue area, and that then causes the pain and the inflammation. Exactly. Now, how will the body then clear it? What do you need to do then to clear it? Is it possible to remove those crystals? Yeah, so you need to distinguish between the person who's got advanced tophaceous gout. Those are usually there for life. Once they've developed these really large, hard, whitish, pearl-like nodules in their joints, that that, that very, very difficult to remove. Not going to get rid of that. You're not going to get rid of that, unless perhaps surgically. But an acute attack of gout is certainly your body is able to clean up and remove the uric acid. Certainly if it's given the right type of support, that is completely reversible. People might ask, you know, can you cure gout or do you have to just manage gout? So in the case of the person who's had a once-off or twice-off combination of events that led to an acute attack, completely reversible. Change your diet, make the some of the changes that we're going to discuss shortly, uh, maybe weight loss. If you have the startings of metabolic syndrome, that's reversible. So that can be completely turned around. But the person who's got the hereditary gout and the genetic factors, that's someone who has to manage their gout because you can't change your genetics. Now, if you are the person that's had a gout attack and you're not the one that's got the genetic factors, but you do, you have had gout, if you've triggered it once, is it easy to trigger it again? Is it Absolutely. easier? Mm. You obviously are susceptible. Yes. So there are people who can put all the wrong things into their bodies and never get any problems. So yeah. they are not susceptible to that particular form of illness. Yes. Everyone has a weak spot. Mm. Dep- you, you know, if you load the body with stress, you will produce symptoms in your area. Mm. So, yes, that person who's had it once is at risk of getting it again. And, in fact, if you look at the literature on gout, it will say that – most people get reoccurring gout episodes. Okay, so the person that gets the tophaceous tophaceous gout, that's the person, that is serious. And this person needs to be ideally under the treatment of an integrative doctor, a homeopathic doctor. They will probably see a rheumatologist as well. Possibly, yes. that combination of practitioners will help the person to deal with with the condition itself. I would imagine that the integrative and the homeopathic doctor will be guiding the person more into a lifestyle change. Not to exacerbate this problem. And the rheumatologist will be more for when that condition is so painful and so severe and compromising what else is available to help them. Yes. But for the person that that gets gout and it goes away, is it's not as serious for them. What is the long-term effect if you get reoccurring episodes of these acute cases of gout? Well, look, I mean, if they resolve completely and then it shows that your body is able to compensate. So yeah. there may not be any complications okay. long-term. But it still isn't something you should just ignore and just assume that your body is always going to just recover from this on its own. With time, your kidneys are going to get weaker as you get older. As you get older, you are perhaps going to gain more weight. So eventually, you're going to get to a point where you're going to need assistance with this or it could become a chronic scenario. So that's the seriousness of this. This is not just something to consider to say, oh, it's okay, it will go away, I'll take some treatment on a Monday and a Tuesday and it will clear it. You've got to actually start to live a lifestyle not to get it so that you do not harm your kidneys because if you've harmed them, they will not forgive you. Now, let's go on to that treatment and the diet. What do you do when a person comes to you? I would assume that the first person they're going to run to is their GP. 
Yeah. So and what they'll, is a GP they'll either give go them? to the pharmacy and they'll get non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, which can help with the pain in an acute episode that you can even get over the counter. But that's just to deal that's with the pain. That's a quick fix. Quick fix. Yeah. If you go to your GP and they'll probably prescribe you a, a colchicine-based drug, which is a anti-inflammatory that specifically works on gout. If you've got a history and it keeps coming back, they'll probably prescribe another type of medication called allopurinol. Allopurinol is more long-term prevention type drug, which actually reduces the production of purines. Those are the normal kinds of medicines that can be prescribed. Mm. And these medications can help, but I certainly, from my own experience, a lot of patients that are on these products are not 100%. They still get some degree of gout. It might not be as bad, but they still get it. So you need to look at doing more than just relying on pharmaceuticals. And you alluded to it already with lifestyle. Mm. So what we would do firstly is we determine the lifestyle. And that will obviously include what the diet is like. We look at are you consuming purine-rich foods? Is this an issue? Do you drink enough water? What is your kidney function like? Are your kidneys in the state where they can regulate your body as they're supposed to do and filter your blood efficiently? What are your other elimination systems like? Because we know that, you know, the elimination, when your body eliminates things, it's teamwork. It's not just the kidney. No. It's the liver and the kidney and the colon and the skin and the lungs. So, yeah. so you have to look at all these things. We have to look at what is the elimination system like in general. And interestingly, the, and even more so, we have to look at the liver. So although the liver isn't directly involved with getting uric acid out, as we discussed earlier, a lot of uh, certainly men who get gout have got underlying metabolic syndrome, and the seat of metabolic syndrome is in the liver. So it makes sense to support the kidney function and liver function in tandem, definitely. We have to alkalize them if they are having an acidogenic diet, and we have had long discussions on how to do that. And then, of course, we have our own remedies and specific remedies that promote the elimination of the kidneys, supporting the liver function, specific remedies that have an antiarthritic effect, pain-relieving effect. So we would apply those as well. But definitely the long-term plan is to change the environment in that body of that patient so that it doesn't reoccur. So the answer is not in a pill or a tablet or a potion? The answer is in looking at it holistically. Correct. Taking it from all angles. As it is with most chronic conditions. As it conditions. is with everything. Yeah. As it is with everything. And the first thing to do is to start to drink more water. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is to follow the Mediterranean diet. That Good Mediterranean idea. diet or the more plant-based diet helps you not to put in so much foods that are acinogenic. And your acinogenic, remember what Dr. Dave said, it's animal proteins, it is dairy products, and it's sugar. Those are the biggest culprits when it comes to being acinogenic. We eat far too little fresh fruit, far too little fresh vegetables, drink far too little water. We need to have more of those. So that's the diet. But now South Africans really like a braai. Mm. And I think there are many South Africans that really like crispy chicken. Correct. So if they've had this, what would you do immediately thereafter? Is there something that you would give a person to say, do this immediately thereafter and your chances of getting a gout attack is much reduced? So the, the lowest hanging fruit yes. <laughs> <laughs> is to alkalize them as quickly as possible. Because remember that... And this is scientifically proven. If the pH of your urine is too low, i.e. your urine is acidic, yes. you can't get uric acid out. You want to get the urine alkaline as possible, which will open up the gates, which can allow the kidneys to then release 
um, uric acid. So you want to alkalize them and give them lots of water in the, uh, at the same time. And then definitely if they are prone to gout, then you want to do some extra kidney support and extra liver support. Okay, so now the way to do that is to alkalize the body. The first thing you've got to do is put in the water. That's the most important factor to open those floodgates and to, to bring that urine pH up, that it's more alkaline. Correct. That's the number one thing. And then the second thing is multiforce, your multiforce alkaline powder. And the reason is because these macro minerals found in there, your calcium, your potassium, and your magnesium. The potassium is the one that specifically alkalizes the body, correct? Well, particularly potassium citrate and your potassium bicarbonate, they are both alkalizers, but even your calcium and your magnesium are, are alkaline metals. If you go back to chemistry 101, they yes. are known as alkaline or and or alkaline earth metals. So they are minerals that have an alkalizing effect in general. Okay, so if you've now had that meal, before you go to bed, take a big dose of multiforce alkaline powder with a big glass of water. Let that go into your body so that it deliberately gives the body the vehicle to be able to eliminate this uric acid out of the system. And then when it comes to supporting the liver and the kidneys, there's nothing better than A. Vogel's two tonics. The one is called nephrosolid, and that is for the kidneys, and the other one is called baldosonara, and that's for the liver. And these two supportive remedies can be used long-term. Is is this what you would give to the person that says, my gout keeps on coming back, but they're not the genetic one. It's just the person that can get an acute attack now and then. And this is where the doctors put them on, was it colchicum? Yeah, or one of the allopurinol type medications. Yes. For that patient, multiforce with nephrosolid and baldosonara, I would recommend those three first before the chemical drug to help to control the body's elimination of uric acid not to get the gout. That's preventative medicine. So yes. you're you, you supporting the systems that your body needs to control uric acid levels. So that's working at its root, at the foundation, as opposed to a symptomatic type approach. So if a person has an acute attack and that toe is now so sore, the attack is bad, what would your dosage be of these three products? So in that scenario, if you're managing them with a healthcare professional, obviously the, the doctor can decide on what sort of dosage they want. They can give more than the standard dosing if they want. But typically in an acute scenario like that, your repetition of the dose is important. So the, the volume that you take, maybe not so much, but how often you take it is important. So you would then need to increase or take the acute dosage for the first two to three days to help get those elimination systems really functioning optimally, to alkalize the body as quickly as possible, to just get things moving and eliminated. So lots of water plus your multiforce, as it says per label, and your boulder scenario nephrosolid. Those two products are usually a three times a day. You can even up it to like a five times a day. No problem with that. There's no harm in doing that. What you're just going to be doing is you're speeding up that elimination in the body. And remember, as Dr. Dave explained, the uric acid is now sitting in an area and it's painful and it's like broken glass that is sharp like needles. That's what's causing the pain. And the way to get that away is the body has got to go and work it out, bring it to the kidneys for elimination out of the system. And to do that, you've got to empower the body to do it. And the multiforce, the water, the baldosonara, and the nephrosolid do that. 
what else is there that you give to patients when it comes to a chronic prevention mm. of it and then for treatment? Is there anything else that you add? So there are in herbal medicine, there's a couple well-known herbal remedies which have been used for gout for hundreds of years. So stinging nettle leaf from Urtica dioica, and uh, this is particularly good as an eliminator, as a cleaner for the body. Again for the kidneys. Absolutely. It's, it's used as a kidney tea. It's a big kidney remedy and a, an elimination remedy. So you can get stinging nettle tea which in bags even as well, which is quite nice. And that's particularly important if you've got the weaker kidneys in the background. The other herbal medicine is celery seed. Oh. You can also have it as a tea. It's very good for arthritis, but specifically gouty arthritis. And then uh, there are one or two others. Birch leaf is another herbal medicine that's used in gout as well. So there's a couple of these that are available as in the health shops as teas, which are, are very effective. And you can have you know three to five cups of this a day, especially when you have an acute episode. And then, of course, you have all the homeopathic remedies. And we, we have many of those which are indicated for various forms of gout and the different presentations. So those are always useful as well. So between those two and, of course, the eliminatory support and, then of course, the long-term management, that would give you your holistic treatment plan. Just a question from me. These crystals that go and sit around a joint, do they destroy the cartilage mm, so over time? As I said earlier, if they build up and they stay there, Yes, and they get bigger they and bigger, will. they can cause structural damage to a joint. Okay. Because remember, every time you have an inflammatory response, your immune system comes in, you have a healing, you can have some degree of scar tissue and buildup of debris. And you can imagine if that keeps happening over and over and over again, that can actually change. Because remember, the joint is a supposed to be a frictionless structure that can move without any irritation or any resistance or yes. anything like that. So if you've got any buildup in your joint, it's going to cause damage, inflammation, and structural damage. So you want to not get the gout attack. Absolutely. So you want to prevent if, it. Yes. So if you are the uric acid person who does not eliminate the uric acid properly, the most important thing that you've got to do is, is not get the attack, is to keep that uric acid level low in your body. And the number one thing is your diet, the drinking of the water, and then keeping the body alkaline and help with eliminatory organs. That's it. That's the most important thing. That's it. So it's Mediterranean diet, plant-based, it's lots of water, it's multi-force alkaline powder once a day. This becomes your friend every single day. You do it preventatively. You take your Baldessonara and Nephrosolid. If you are not having an attack, then nothing is wrong in your body. Once a day is more than enough. Else, it's three times a day. But your multi-force is always once a day. And ideally, take your multi-force in the evening before going to bed because during the night when you're sleeping is when the body is doing the most repair work. And that's when you want to do the cleaning and the repairing and the healing of cells in the body. And in an environment that's pH regulated, you've got a good healing that happens at that time. Make it your routine that after brushing teeth, before going to bed, you go and take your multiforce in your water and you drink it. For the person that suffers with that genetic gout, mm. there's one product that I recommend also, your threshold tablets, but you would increase your dose as you require it. It's usually a three to six tablets a day, but in severe cases and when it gets really extreme, you want to increase that dose for a period of time to help you with that pain because it's now pain on the on the joint itself that and that inflammation that's sitting there. And threshold consists of MSM, which is nature's anti-inflammatory to help to clear inflammation. 
inflammation and specifically in joints in the body and also in muscle. So threshold will be included there as well. Is there anything else that you would recommend for that patient? Because they're just desperate. Yeah, so you would still support the elimination system because you can imagine now you've got the genetic risk. Yes. And now you're getting older. And as you're getting older, your kidneys are becoming weaker. So you you are going to get worse typically over time. They're going to also need the similar approach of the supporting the metabolism. So they're going to need all the same support. But for them, it's going to be they're going to have to work extra hard. Yes, in doing it. Mm. Don't forget to go and listen to our previous podcast that we've already recorded on metabolic syndrome, acidogenic diet, kidneys and the importance of these organs, the liver and what it does inside the body. There is a wealth of information on this website. It's also in the written articles if you wish to read it. Share it with others. You never know whose life you're going to be touching in a remarkable way to show them that nature truly is our benefactor. Thank you, Dr. Dave. <music>